Father, I pray that if our, our vision is on anything or anyone else other than you, that that would come to our minds so that we can confess that to you. Father, I pray that by the time we leave that our hope would be in you and you alone, regardless of the stage we may be in. May our hope be in you and you alone. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. You may be seated. Well, it is good to have you. Thanks for getting out today. You uh, weekly have a choice, but today it might have been a little more of a difficult choice to make to get out. So thank you for being here. I have no doubt uh, that God will honor your efforts to be here today. I would like for all of you, guests included, uh, to find a communication card. They are in the seat pockets in front of you. If you are on our prayer team, will you write down the following verse in just a moment, and this will be what we direct our prayers to. So here's what I'd like for uh, all of us to do, guests included. Uh, Take the communication card, turn it on the back. There's a place for you to write down a specific prayer request we are a praying church. We have people who pray every single day. Just, we just go through the list over and over and over again. We will pray for whatever you put there because we know that's important. But more than that, we want to take it to the next level. And the following passage will be how you will have people pray for you. You'll be so glad uh, that you turn in a prayer request. So this... Uh, Verse this week, two verses, uh, Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. Listen to this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for your Lord God is the eternal rock. So think about this as you look at the the things that might keep you up at night, the things that seem to be out of control. Most of the time, we're praying about things that we have no control over, which is at least we're praying, right? Uh, But we have so little that we have, have control over. But think about this. You will keep in perfect peace, not just a little bit of peace, but God will, will inundate you with a peace that is greater than anything else. He will keep you in perfect peace. If you trust in Him... All whose thoughts are fixed on you, again, where we just got through singing, be my vision, that our our lens by which we evaluate life would come through the lens of putting, what does God think about this? All whose thoughts are fixed on you, trust the Lord always, for the Lord your God is an eternal rock. So as you put in prayer requests, yes, we will pray for uh, God to meet the needs, but we're going to take it to the next step and pray that you would you would trust in God, not in circumstances, not in other people, that your thoughts would be fixed on God, that you would trust in him always, and know that the Lord, the God, is an eternal rock. He's not in and out. He can be depended upon. He's with you through whatever you may go through. Now, this fits in with where we're headed through this entire series. Notice that phrase, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, who are fiercely present is another way to look at it. That God will keep in perfect peace when you are fiercely present, fiercely focused on Him. In the Hebrew, the word fixed means this, to lean against a wall with one's hand. 
It has the sense of supporting or sustaining someone. It describes a heart that is supported and sustained. And so it is saying that God will keep in perfect peace those who lean totally upon God. That when, you are, when your eyes and heart are firmly fixed, fiercely present with God, He will sustain you, He will hold you regardless. Why are we making such a big deal, in fact, spending six weeks talking about being fiercely present? It's because what you give your attention to is the person you become. Or, if we want to look at it through Isaiah, through that passage, what you fix your attention on becomes the person you will become. Another way to put it, what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your, of your character. What you fix your thoughts on sets the trajectory of what your character is built upon. So we've defined fiercely present as this. Focus living by having our schedules and habits align with what really matters. So we're talking about, if you want to call it this, holy habits, if you want to call it that. But the important thing is we're talking about if we are fiercely focused, then we've got to be careful that we have habits that keep us focused upon God because the enemy is, dis- is distraction. So here's where we uh, finished last week. And if you'll take your worship guide and look at page 3. Here's what we, we finished with. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your system and habits. This is huge, folks. We can have all these desires about how we want to live, how what we would like to see happen in our walk with God, uh, all these amazing goals and aspirations. Let's use that word aspiration. We can have all these aspirations, but you don't rise to the level of your aspirations. You fall to the level of your system and habits. So what you have day in and day out, the habits that you embrace, take you to where you go. We said this last week, that our systems are perfectly designed to get the results that you're getting. Let me say it one more time. Your habits, your system, another way, is perfectly suited to get the results that you're presently getting. It all has to do with your habits, your system that is in place because you don't rise to the level of your aspirations as holy and as wonderful as, and as awesome as they may be. You fall to the level of your system or habits. And another thing we put in here was last week we end with this. Ultimately, it's your commitment to the process that will determine your progress. So we're spending time talking about the processes and our commitment to the processes in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So the first habit that we talked about is daily time alone in God's Word. If you want to live to the level of your aspirations, then you start with a habit of spending time alone with God. And so every time you spend time alone with God, you're asking three questions. What is the text saying? What is God leading me to do? What is my response? Anytime you read a long passage of Scripture or a short passage, you're asking, what's the text saying? What is God leading me to do, me to be? What is my response? This is one of the habits of time alone in God's Word. Why is it so important? Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. And so if you want 
direction in life and the truth, then you listen to God's Word. One other thing from, uh, from Soren Kierkegaard that I think you might find interesting, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true, and the other is to refuse to believe what is true. So we are saying that the, the importance of spending time alone in God's Word is going to be for us to say, God's Word is going to be a lamp unto my feet, a light in my path, and I will believe what it says. That being said, let's talk about another habit, a habit of hungering for God, and it plays out in Matthew chapter 6. So take your Bibles and look at Matthew 6. We'll look at verses 5 to 8 and see what Jesus has to say about this amazing system, this amazing habit that he embraced. And when you pray, not if, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying to get attention. They stand on the street corners so they can be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. Here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they're going to be heard because of their numerous words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Three things Jesus talks about this habit that we want to put into place for every single day. Your system, here it is. Number one, keep it quiet and keep it focused. In verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or the message paraphrase puts it this way. Find a quiet, secluded place so, place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Go into your room and close the door. If that doesn't make sense to you, how about this? Go into airplane mode. Okay? Take your phone and turn it on airplane mode and you will not see anything come up on the screen. Go into airplane mode. Why is that so important? I had a friend that sent me this article after last week's message. came from the Harvard Business Review. It said, just quickly checking anything for one-tenth of a second can add up to major productivity losses. Here's what got me. It can take an average of 23 minutes to get back into the zone after task switching. 23 minutes from something that jumps up on the phone. And so if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you check your phone, right? So, so here's, here's one, and I'm not just down on the phone. I, I'm just revealing where I live, okay? This is about me, not about you. None of you are addicted to your phones. God bless you, and may I be more like you. Turn the phone to airplane mode so that you can say, what is the text saying what is God saying to me, and you're still not interrupted, and what am I going to do about it? If you don't get into a closet and shut the door from all distraction, 
you won't even get through what is the passage saying before you're texting somebody else or responding to whatever. And so whatever it is, find a place that is secluded. There's nothing holy about it. Here's the bottom line. God is low on fancy and high on accessibility and focus. So in the Palestinian culture, if you've been into the east, eastern part of the world, you'll know that they live in compounds. There's a big wall around where they live. But when you walk in, there's this huge gathering area, and then they have where they live. But there are no doors. They're just, I mean, there's room for a door, but one room just leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. The only room that has a door is, the, is a closet where they keep their supplies. And so what Jesus is saying is, even back then, you could be distracted by going into any certain room because it had free flow. And he's just simply saying, just go someplace where you won't be distracted. Now, you can take that literally if you want to. I had a third grader who came up to me after church, the first service, and said, I didn't know that. I can't wait to go home and get in my closet. I said, well, that's, Cassius, if that's what God's calling you to do, then by all means, do that. But the point of it is that you don't get distracted. You get to a place where you can get focused on God. And as you're reading Scripture, you can say, God, what do you, what's this passage mean? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to do with it? And make plans so that God can speak to you. So keep it quiet. Number two, keep it honest. Verse 7, when you pray, don't try to show off. Or another way to put it, short prayers are long enough. Short prayers are long enough. And will, which will lead to the third point that makes sense. Keep it faith-focused. We just got through singing about where all of our attention goes, that God would be our vision. Keep your prayers faith-focused. And here's how it is. Verse 8, don't be like the others, for they are trying to show off. It's all, it's all about image management. He said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you're not surprising him with what the needs are. He already knows what your needs are. He's just simply waiting for you to say, I'm focused on you and what you want me to do. In fact, here is the best way I think I would encourage you to be faith-focused. The objective of prayer is saying, Lord, where are you going? I want to go there too. Lord, what do you think about this? I want to think that way. Lord, what is your desire? What is your will on this? I want that to be my will too. If you're not a note taker, get out your phone and take a screenshot because this, this would be such an amazing way for us to pray. And the beauty of this honesty here is that whatever we're in the closet and whatever's concerning us, that we would say, Lord, where are you going in this situation? And I want to go there too. And, and it's an opportunity for you to be honest enough to, with God to say, right now, I don't want to go there. But God, where are you going? And change my heart. I, I do desire to get there. Or you're in some kind of a decision-making mode. God, what do you think about this? Not, what do I think about it? What do you think about this? I want to think that way too. 
Or you're facing some huge decision and a direction in life or direction for the day or for direction of the week. What is your will? What is your desire in this situation? I want that to be my will too. And to be open and honest with God. That's, that's, and you won't get to that place if you're distracted. So we want you to be fiercely focused. And the best way to be fiercely focused is to make sure that, you're, that you have a system in place. And that system is consistent time in God's word. And that you go to a place every day where you're not disturbed and distracted by whoever or whatever. And that you then... Bring everything before God, and you're listening to Him. I want to go where you're going. I want to think what you think. I want to know what your will is. Well, how do you know that? You don't know it unless you're spending time in God's Word. So that's why we started out with the first habit, the first discipline, is saying make sure you're spending time in the truth so that you don't allow current feelings to direct you down a pathway. So this is the goal of our prayers, and notice this end here. We want to get our desires in alignment with God's so that. Don't, you might just jot down the phrase, so that. So that keeps us from being egomyopic. So that. So that your prayers are saying, God, I want you to work in this area. I need your help in here. But not just for me, but so that. You can use me in a bigger way. For instance, uh, Genesis 50, 20. uh, Joseph had been abused. He had every right to be self-absorbed. And he had been taken advantage of. He hadn't done anything wrong. And it says, Satan, or the evil one, meant to destroy you through this whole situation. But God meant it to bring about the healing and saving of many souls. So not only was Joseph, was his prayer answered for him, God brought him out of the depths of despair, but he used it, that whole situation, so that other people would be impacted. And so as, as we pray, that we say, God, would you work in my heart, not just cha- change where I'm not so self-driven, I don't want to be self-driven, but I want to be God-centered so that I live in such a way that other people see Jesus in me, or whatever, I don't need to spell all that out. But the so that keeps us from us being focused on ourselves and focused on the kingdom of God. Because this is the goal of all our prayers, the goal of every prayer we pray, the advancement of his kingdom, the display of his glory, the glory of his name. Otherwise, it becomes about us. If you're reading the Bible uh, reading plan, new year, new, new, new. New mercies, thank you. New year, new mercies, thank you. Uh, If you're reading it, this was one of the uh, statements Paul Tripp said. He said, in the midst of drivenness and distractions, we can all identify with that, in the midst of the drivenness and distractions of the day, we can become a God amnesiac. And our thoughts, our desires, our emotions are shaped by how well we are able to accomplish our plan for the day. And we forget God. 
And we forget that God is the one who rules over every situation, every location, every relationship. When we forget, we want to control. We want control over everything even though we don't have control. And we tend to say things that we should not say. We tend to do things we should not do. So, here's the message paraphrase of what we've just read. Matthew 6, 5 to 8. When you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simple, simply and honestly as you can manage. Listen to this. The focus will shift from you to God. Then you begin to sense His grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Man, he doesn't mince words, does he? The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas, full of programs, full of advice, full of peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than, than you what you need. So set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. We've talked about this before in our prayer. God, what, what's going on up there, your kingdom, man, I want it to happen in my marriage. I want it to happen in my family. I want it to happen in my leadership. I want it to happen in my friendships. What's going on up there, God, would you make it happen down here? That's what I want. That's what Jesus closes with. I've already said this. The devil doesn't care what we replace our time alone with God with as long as we just replace time alone with him with something else. Something good, probably. Jesus goes on and doesn't just stop about prayer, but he talks about one other quick thing, or one other thing that I'll address quickly. Let's talk about fasting for a moment and the importance of it. And Jesus says, and when you fast, so it's not if, it's not set aside for just a few people, it's for all followers of Christ. So let's, talk, let's define fasting and then see what Jesus had to say. Fasting is a spiritual habit that involves giving something up so that we can make more room for God. Fasting helps us make room for God to work in us and through us. So fasting is not in lieu of your time alone with God. It's an additional time that you decide there's something that I'm going to do without. And while I do without this, I will spend more time focused on God through Bible study and through prayer. Fasting helps us make room to create space for what is most important. So it's just saying, I want to just spend more time. And it, many times it's driven by a certain need. Uh, this, and it doesn't, have, it doesn't always have to be food-driven, by the way. Uh, that tends to be where most are, but it doesn't have to be. So just as an example, it could be event-driven. So this week, I stopped doing something, and instead of doing that thing, I prayed for the people that are in this Sunday night uh, marriage couples small group that Karen and I are leading. Not a big deal, wasn't huge. All I did, I just knew if I'm going to pray for the people every day that it's not going to happen 
in my current schedule. I need to create an additional time and space for that. And so it wasn't a huge deal. I just decided that instead of doing A, I was going to replace that with just saying, I'm going to turn my phone on airplane mode, and I'm going to work my way through all the people who are coming to this uh, through the marriage small group and just pray for them to be open to hear from God. Wasn't a big deal. So it's just simply deciding I'm going to take something I do on a consistent, habitual basis, put that aside, and instead fill that with something else. Here's what Jesus says. When you fast, don't look somber, don't look pitiful like the uh, hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces. They want to show off that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, uh, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let me make sure this is so total clear. This is not manipulating God. You, if you fast longer, God doesn't go, oh, well, you get an A for this one. So I'll, you know, I'll give you front row seats someplace. This is, this is not about manipulating God and getting something from him. It's to, for you to be able to spend more time with God so that you can figure out what is he saying, what does he want me to do with it, and what am I going to do? And it's just simply casting our focus off of what normally is, is put and focused time on God. So Jesus sets the precedent. He himself fasted, uh, and his disciples fasted, and we know that. But let's, let's do this. This is so simple, but let me uh, challenge you to take the word fast, and then this is how you go about with the fast. F, focus on God. That's simple fast. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said, when image and reputation becomes more important than character, you become a hypocrite. And so fasting takes focus off of ourself and puts it on to God. That's all it's doing. Fasting is saying, I'm going to spend X amount of time on a consistent basis as long as the fast goes, and I will focus upon God. F, focus on God. A, abstain from some daily habit. It can be a meal, it could be meals, whatever. I mentioned about get off social media. That's not, that wasn't a word from God. That was just simply saying that is one thing that, that, again, none of you do that, but there are the 930 people do. So, (laughs) but it's just saying instead of, instead of spending all this time on this, again, not bad, social media is not bad, They say, I'm going to take the time that I normally spend, and I will spend it on this, focusing upon God. So abstaining from some daily habit. S, substituting the time and habit with prayer and Bible study. And then T is total dependence. That's what a fast leads us to, is to say, I don't have any control. I'm going to depend upon you. You will be my focus. You will be uh, in this way. Here's how Paul Tripp puts it. Fasting is making sure that we're not looking horizontally for what can only ever be found vertically. Our tendency is to say, who can meet my need? How can I meet that need? How can I, what can I do? That's all horizontal thinking. And fasting helps us to get back to vertical living, saying it's all about God. I'm going to put my hope 
and trust in him. And I will say, God, what do you think? I want to think that way. God, what do you, what do you want to do about this? That's what I want to do. God, would you lead me? Um, let me close with this. So fasting and prayer is not so much about determining what you're doing without. It's deciding who you want to become. And so what you fast from is not the big deal. It's, it's the time that you set aside to say, God, this is who I want to become, and I want to become more like you, and I want to know what you think and what you feel and what direction, what decision you want me to make. That's what I want to do. Your next step, shock of all shocks, hunger for God. This next song that you're going to hear is an amazing song, and here's what I'd like for you to do, and you guys can come up to the platform. Um, the, the lyrics to this song are so powerful and some of them may be your prayer. They may be true of you. If they're not true of you, then use this song, use the lyrics as a, uh, a confession, just to say, God, this isn't where I am, but this is where I want to be. And so engage with the lyrics that you have. The next thing, would you take your worship guide and look at page four? just want to make sure that we're crystal clear on where we go this week as a church. Page 4, if you choose uh, to fast and you want more information, well, I've got good news for you. One of the Bible.com reading is on fasting, and it is called Make Room, and you can get more information from there as you do our Bible reading plan. We've talked about this, other Bible reading plans. When you fast, you're spending more time with God, and so... You may look at Epic or the Bible Project. You might think, while I fast, I'm going to go through this particular study and let the, uh, the Bible Project direct you. It's, uh, it's got a, a number of options. Uh, if you prefer to get off your phone and off your laptop, then I've got readings for you, Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew 6 through 8 on a set aside for each day. Again, asking, what's the text saying? What is God leading me to do? And what is my response going to be? Let's pray. Father, I pray that, that we would focus upon you. And any time our focus begins to be um, moved towards ourselves or towards others, any time our focus moves horizontally, God, would you bring that to our mind's eye so we can quickly confess that and focus on you and you alone. Would you bring healing uh, to our church, this 11 o'clock group, that we would think what you think and that our, our decisions would be what you would want us to do and that we would live in a way that is pleasing to you all because of what we hear from you as we um, spend time with you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.